to dive in with my guest today, Evan Faber, the CEO and Chief Brand Strategist at Moxie Sozu. And we're going to talk about competing and winning on brand. So we've spent a few episodes of Food Biz Whiz talking about building strong brands. And time and time again, those are the episodes where you guys ask the most questions in our Facebook group, you have the biggest aha moments, and you leave the most raving reviews. Thank you for that. So we are here today to give you even more brand content with a fresh perspective that you haven't heard before. So let's roll into the intro and then we'll jump right in because we have a lot to cover today. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is supported by Canva, one of my favorite online tools for creating beautiful, on-brand sell sheets, promotional materials, social media posts, website graphics, and more. I use Canva Pro every single day in my business, and I love that I can save my brand colors, my fonts, and my templates on their platform. It takes the guesswork out of designing graphics, and it saves so much time as my brand elements are at my fingertips. Since their launch in 2013, Canva has helped more than 15 million users and claim to have a design made on their platform every 30 seconds. That's nuts. Try out Canva today by visiting the link in my profile and start creating beautiful on-brand designs in minutes. Hey, Evan, welcome to Food Biz Whiz. Hey, Allie, how you doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited because, well, for a lot of reasons, but I'm psyched that you're going to share your cross-industry perspective with us. And I'm so happy that you accepted my invitation to come <laughs> on the podcast today. So I'm going to start by telling our listeners a little bit about you and how we met. And then I'm going to have you tell us the official bio, the little, a little bit more about yourself. So wonderful for my listeners, my listeners, you guys are, I'm so, so excited for you guys to meet Evan today because he is bringing over a decade of experience in brand strategy to our interview. He provides a perspective from outside of the food industry as well as internally. So Evan, you've worked with really big clients like Nickelodeon and backcountry.com, Case Logic, Grupo Campari. That sounds like a fun one. Um, Heinz Real Estate and Development. And through your work, like you did that with your, as VP of brand strategy, and now you're, you bring strategic visioning as CEO to Moxie Sozu. Uh, you guys have a really strong global reputation and it sounds like you're a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is all very, very true. And yeah, those are, those are some of the larger brands. We do a lot in the food and beverage space, being in Boulder, Colorado, it's just a, it's a hub for it. So um, there's a ton in that area as well. Yeah. And so you and I first got connected um, at a food industry conference where you and your colleague gave this really awesome talk on how brands who create this emotional connection with our consumers yeah. are the ones who win. And I was 
I'll tell you, I was sitting in the audience there and I found myself nodding along throughout your entire presentation, which like, as I'm sure my listeners know, like that doesn't happen so often at a conference. And I knew immediately that I wanted to connect with you and learn more about your story and talk about our aligned values in branding. So uh, like I said, I'm, I'm so happy that you agreed to come on, Evan. And let's, let's get our conversation going. Um, so I gave Great. that brief background, but why don't you tell us about yourself and Moxie Sozo? I always call it Sozo, Sozo. Um, Sozo, yes. So-so. Yeah, the um, name is, <laughs> is, is something. It's worth a little bit of explanation. Can we start there? Uh, I, tell, yeah, tell, yeah. Me, tell me about you and tell me why I keep making that Sozo <laughs> mistake. Um, and tell, tell us about how you work with food and bev clients now. Yeah, totally. So Moxie Sozo has been around for about 20 years. Uh, we had our unusual name since the beginning. Mm. Uh, many people might know what Moxie means, bold, courageous, yeah. force of character. Not a lot of people know what Sozo means, no. uh, which is a Japanese term for intelligence and creativity. So oh. those words combine the profitable application of, of intelligence and creativity, uh, boldness, courageousness. This informs what we do. Um, and I it's the, that. the heart of our ethos. Yeah, it's, I love it. and we like to work with brands that, that have that, that are courageous brands that are trying to shake up their category or chart into new waters with a new category or even change a conversation in society. It takes courage to do any one of those things. And that's what we love to, to work with. Um, we do have clients across the world, seven continents. We like to say that we have we work with an entrepreneurial penguin in Antarctica, uh, <laughs> but it's a, an adventure travel company. Yes. Um, but it, it, you know, at the at the at the heart of it, um, our our ethos is to to build uh, personal connections uh, with consumers by building brands that stimulate the intellect and stir the soul, and that's going to be the heart of what we talk about today. I love that. That's a great Sweet. intro. So we're, we are going to talk about competing and winning on brand. Um, yes. And let's, when, when you and I brainstorm some topics on branding, we realize like branding is a huge, it's a huge topic. <laughs> There's so many things to talk about. So let's start by talking about why compete on brand versus product? What, when we think about branding, where do we start and why is it important? And, and how, do we, how do we get going there? Yeah, totally. And this is one of the biggest challenges of companies of every size is separating out, talking about the product and talking about the brand and competing on just product attributes and competing on brand attributes. So if we can tease those out at all today, that would be amazing to see those as separate things and to really evaluate, okay, are we really trying to compete on this product utility, this product feature, this one product attribute, or is the opportunity to, to, to do it with a brand? So let's look at a case study here. Let's look at Apple and Samsung, for example. Um, look at the phones, uh, the Galaxy and the iPhone, and comparable technology uh, between the iPhone and, and Samsung's, but the iPhone sells for $200 more. Um, and... Apple does about 23, roughly $23 billion more in sales than Samsung. Wow. But amazing. But here's the amazing part is their market cap is about 600 billion times or $600 billion larger than Samsung. So wow. a lot of numbers here, yeah. but you know, it's just, 
if their products are comparable, if Apple's sales are just a little bit higher, what makes their company so much more valuable? Part of that is their brand. And so an investment in the brand pays off in the long term. It helps compete in the short term. And then upon exit, if that's in the uh, horizon of your trajectory, helps the overall valuation of the company. So competing on brand uh, helps raise uh, the value of your overall proposition. And 64% of 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 brand relationships are built around shared values because people want to buy into a culture. Mm-hmm. They have enough products. They want relationships and experiences. So. Right. So what you're saying is instead of saying my cookies are gluten-free and that's why you should buy them, I yep. should say join my gluten-free tribe of adventurous eaters who love to eat cookies on the trail or something. This is a bad yeah, example. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the spirit and that's why we <laughs> do exercises. Uh, but you know, the idea of, okay, let's take one, a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between uh, CPG food and beverage in the outdoor space. And yeah. there's also a lot of value alignment. And we're starting to see crossover of people trying to make a difference by connecting these two industries together. So your example of a of a cookie that's used outdoors and adventure is a big one. And so if yeah. this was a cookie company, um, that we're just going to take like a, a, like a, a close to home example here, because this is something you've probably heard before, but it's a cookie company that is out to, you know, protect national parks and right. is on that mission and is doing it with this product, you know, that's one example of, okay, we're going to be a purpose-driven brand. We're going to have this mission. We're going to use our product to support it. How would you, that makes total sense, right? And then when I, when I buy that cookie, I'm, I'm voting with my dollars in a way. I'm saying when I purchase this cookie, I'm supporting national parks and that aligns with my, my values and my lifestyle. Yeah, totally. And it's, uh, it's, here's what's to consider is, is you've, let's say you saw that, you saw that ad, for example, and you're like, oh, I love this cookie company. And let's say you go to the store, uh, you're now in a different mindset. So you've moved from a kind of a consumer mindset, and now you're in a shopper mindset. And it's a little bit different when you're actually at the shelf and you're comparing those cookies. What are you evaluating? How are you evaluating it? So you want to build a brand that translates from all throughout kind of the customer journey. Yeah, it, may, it makes total sense. That makes total sense. Um, how would someone know if they've built a brand or if they're set, if they're still competing on product, what are the red flags there? What are the, how would they evaluate that? Totally, totally, totally. So I think if you're looking at your messaging and um, it's all about the functional attributes, oh, we're better for you, superfood, gluten-free, non-GMO, organic, vegan lifestyle, we're mission-driven, we're a B Corp, sustainable, and we're targeting millennials, Uh, chances are a lot of people are competing in that space. And so where's the emotional differentiation? I can't have a relationship with just a series of attributes. I could. I mean, you can scale a little bit um, direct to consumer with just a super functional play, but eventually you kind of hit a revenue plateau and need to take it to the next level by um, uh, linking in a new audience that uh, connects at a deeper level. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I know later in our podcast today, you're going to walk us through an exercise that people can can use to, to build this brand platform and think about some of these things. So I'm sure we'll get back to that that target audience and, and the personality there. Um, yes, love okay. it. Okay, so that's why we compete on brand first product, right? Brand Brand is so much bigger than a product and brand is where you really get those raving fans and build that tribe. Um, talk to me about the customer journey. You, you said that that's something we're going to talk about in our interview today. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How does that really? So yeah, we talked about, you see the ad in one space and then you're at the shelf and you're ready to make a purchase. Those are two stages of a customer journey. And so if we break down the customer journey into basic stages from awareness, oh, here, here's who you are and, and here's all about you, to intent, here's why I should buy from you, to conversion, I'm actually going to buy from you, to uh, retention, I'm going to buy from you again, yeah. to loyalty, I'm only going to buy from you, and then to advocacy, I'm going to tell everyone about you. Like Those are some of the steps of a customer journey, and we as a brand want to be there throughout that whole thing. And sure. if you break it down into two parts, the first part of the customer journey where it's about awareness and consideration, intent, conversion, that's about acquisition. And that word is batted around quite a bit. Yeah. And it's it's significant. Um, and uh, the second piece, though, the retention, loyal, and advocacy is how you tr grow and scale long-term. So it's important to pay attention to the whole thing. Um, when you're at the beginning, when you're in the awareness phase, when you uh, nobody knows necessarily about you, this is your chance to be emotional, compelling, the big hook, the thing that's like, <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the song, like yes. imagine like an A&R man, like listening to a whole bunch of music, you know, or, or woman, an A&R person yep. listening to a whole bunch of music. They're going to like listen to it for a few seconds. So there has to be that hook of a song just instantly, unless you're Pink Floyd. Yes. Uh, but with a brand, it's kind of the same thing where uh, we need an emotional, compelling hook right away that can capture yeah. people. Then you get into kind of that consideration, intent, and that's a little bit more functional now. So we, we've, we've stirred the soul at the beginning. Now we got to stimulate the intellect. So these are some of the calls to act, action, the attributes, the incentives. We need to get them to convert. And that's where a lot of the conversation with brands stop. And it should continue into the most important, you know, arguably the, the most important part of the phase, which is the long-term growth phase with retention, loyal, and advocacy. So you come back with those emotional appeals. You're building that relationship. You, you, sure, you can offer rewards. You know, Price promotions is a double-edged sword, and you can do a whole podcast on price promotions. Oh, yes, I can. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> totally, right? Uh, but um, it's, getting, it's, get, it's now building that relationship. You, you know, it's, if, if you imagine, like, look at it this way, this is an example that uh, the head of our advertising department likes to use, and I, I think it's fantastic, where uh, you walk up to somebody you've never met before and you, you ask them for money in the first conversation. It's like, whoa, nice to meet you. Who are you? Tell me a little bit about you. What's going on in your world? And yet a lot of brands, it's like, hey, here's something about me. Uh, try me. Can I have some money? Uh, so it's just building more of that relationship up front. Yeah. I, love, I, I love breaking it down into almost the, the before and after, or you know, the connect with the consumer at the warm them up, build that relationship, become part of their, their orbit. And then you ask them 
to to give you money, right? I, <laughs> yes, and and that at that phase, that is a commitment to a longer relationship. That is not the end of the conversation. That should be the the beginning of the relationship. Yeah, one of the things that I talk about a lot in Retail Ready is is the same similar concept where you wouldn't ask someone to marry you on the first date. You would <laughs> go on many dates. You would get to know them. You would figure out if you like them, you build trust with them, and eventually you pop the question. And it's the same thing with marketing to your consumers. You start showing up in their Instagram feed. Maybe you get them on your mailing list. You're warming them up. You're building that trust. And then you say, would you like to buy? Yeah. Three months later, depending on your price point, it depends, you know, it depends so much on your price point, but I always say it's the the fastest way to get unfollowers and to get, you know, unsubscribes on your email list is to show up as a stranger and ask someone to purchase. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Hundred percent. I love that analogy. It's it's so true. And and this is a little bit of a of a you know a nuance of that is sometimes we think when we're emailing people with a twenty percent off coupon that we're doing something for them, but we're actually still asking them for something. And so as you're as you're like communicating, considering what when are we giving? When are we asking? When are we giving something of real value, or when are we kind of like just floating some content to float some content that's sort of relevant? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking. So, Evan, you and I are recording this in the late summer, and in our group now, we are talking about Black Friday promotion in retail ready. Thinking about mm-hmm. you, we've got to spend the next ninety days warming up our audience um, via primarily Instagram and direct email marketing, because I always see Black Friday comes along, you haven't emailed your list in months and months and months, and all of a sudden you say, I've got a promotion for you, and I guarantee listeners that you will, if you do this, you will see a huge unsubscribe rate on Black Friday if you pop into their inbox like that. So Evan, I think you're, you're so smart here, breaking it, emphasizing that it is, it is, in a way, it's more important and it's more cost-effective to retain a consumer than it is to constantly acquire new ones, right? Yeah, it's it is. And first of all, that's brilliant. You know, the Black Friday for many many brands is such a crucial holiday, and if you it, don't yeah. prep for that yeah. strategy to get a hit there rather than a boon, yeah. uh, would just hurt. So, love the fact that you're setting them up for success for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's absolutely about. You want to focus on retention, but you it's its both, right? You still need consistent yeah, yeah. messaging in the market because it's all about building memory structures in the mind. So you do want those light consumers as well. And how can you, how can you, like people have... Um, uh, confirmation bias. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they, the exposure effect makes people warm up to something. So psychologically, the more you can get your name out there, the better. But meaningful connections means that your your retention uh, program uh, will will be be a stronger one. Yeah, that but that makes total sense. I I can think about I think about my Instagram feed and the brands with whom I feel so connected, and the ones yeah. I just scroll by. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 and and we will talk a little bit about some strategies to be a brand that you don't scroll by, um, and and we'll, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit, I'm sure. Great. Uh, let's let's talk about the next thing on our brainstormed bullet list here. Thinking about who 
who you're competing with in your category, you know, what is the attention span of your consumer or, you know, the people who are your fans? How does that play into brand strategy? Uh, who, who you're competing with. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Kaufman index uh, estimates there's about 540,000 new entrepreneurs each month in the United States. So just at, that, that is an incredibly wow. staggering number. <laughs> so, I mean, just not that that's direct competition, right. but it's, it's certainly something. So, okay. So what about everyone talks about the, but we're bombarded with messages all the time. You're, you're mm-hmm. competing with other people's messages. Well, what does that look like then? Like, so we're exposed to about 4,000 to 10,000 brand placements daily. Those aren't ads. Those are just branded communications that we see. Wow. And in terms of just ads only, we see about 360. Wow. Um, and then wow. the ones that we... Crazy, crazy. So now you've got 362 ads. And then the ones that we note is about half that. So like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember 153 like little things. But we only have awareness of 86. And only 12 of them end up making an impression, real impression into the consumer. So from 10,000 to 12. Uh, what do you do there to stand out a little bit? And it might not be just the gluten-free claim. Yeah. It might not just be the 21 grams of protein and less sugar. There, that, that, again, will drive business, but getting to where you want to go uh, will require a little bit more. Yeah. How This is, this is off script, but if you could, <laughs> if you could give a one tip on creating an ad that stands out, what would it be? Sure, I and we'll we'll revisit this a little bit a little bit later. Um, um, but part of it is um, uh, I'm going to go off script too. Great. Uh, so, talk to me. Give me a couple um, words that describe your best friend, and and if you uh, she's listening, it's fantastic. Uh, I'll send it good, to you. Good question. Um, well, she is the ultimate host and okay. really loves to entertain. Okay. She is extremely caring, mm-hmm. and she loves to dance. Like loves to dance. Yes. Not, not like, not like in a formal way, more like likes to have drinks and dance in her living likes room. To, likes, oh, wow. Likes to party in the living likes room a little party bit. In, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so if we just, if we heard, you know, just hearing the list of, of descriptions there, she's caring, you know, I, I don't remember all of them. Yeah, she loves to entertain. Caring, loves to entertain. And, and then we get to, oh yeah. And she likes to drink and dance in the yeah. living room. Like, oh, our emotional meters just, we caught that. We had yes. an emotional reaction to yes. that. And so we'll get to this a little bit later, but building in that personality, um, a, a, a lot of what we do at Moxie Sozo's teaching it's an, teaching brands how to be human. Mm. Um, you know, it's not about trying to deliver this perfect message. Don't be perfect. Be, be real with me. Be, be, be uh, authentic. And that means having a little bit of flaws. It means understanding the human experience. And, you know, building those things into, into an ad that spikes the emotional meter would be my one tip in a very roundabout Mm -hmm. way that requires a lot to get there, but at a high level, there we go. Yeah. And I think that you, you used a few examples in the presentation that I saw of yours, um, that 
that really drove that point home of the emotional connection with the brand. When you look at that ad in your Instagram feed or, you know, whether it's paid ad or you just look at the, the post, when, when you f- immediately can put your finger on the emotion, that's what makes you stop scrolling, right? Yeah. First of all, we created an, an awful product for that uh, it presentation. Was great. It was a, I loved a really so unhealthy, unhealthy candy bar that was doing good in the world. So yes. we, we sort of flipped it there. So be bad to do good yes. uh, was sort of the overall positioning uh, of it. Um, but yeah, we, we wanted to create a cult following and we were going to have these like underground cultist events. It was very bizarre, but bizarre is interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, exactly. You know, and it got us laughing in the audience. And, you know, again, I, I said I was nodding along because I was like, oh, yeah, like this is, nice. <laughs> this, is this resonates with me. Not that I want to join a candy bar cult, but I follow <laughs> along with what you were doing so easily. Just wait. Just you wait. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We circle back three months from now and I'm like, you know, <laughs> underground candy, candy ring. Um, yes, we'll, we'll send you the appropriate attire, <laughs> uniform. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about, are you ready to talk about the three guiding principles to building a brand? Yeah, totally. Yeah? Okay. Sure. Tell me, tell me your three guiding principles, because I think everyone has, you know, every branding agency has a different process here, and yeah. we we hear mixed messages. So I'm curious about your guiding principles to building a brand. Sure. Yeah. And, and here's the thing with, with all of these theories, um, the conversation that I might have with your brand might be completely different because Mm -hmm. it's a different product in a different category and we need different things. And so the purpose of the ideas and philosophies and exercises today are just their general concepts. They're, you know, they're, they're things which should, which can help guide you, but more, some of them may be more relevant or less. So these, these guiding principles, uh, don't connect all the way to process, but they sort of inform a little bit of how we, how we talk about things. And, Right now, there's a lot of talk about direct response uh, yeah. and, and, and direct response marketing. Okay, so to, to get there, we feel a great brand has to have clarity, it has to have humanity, and it has to have creativity. And clarity lets you be direct. Clarity means that you've distilled your unique value proposition in such a way you can deliver it in a sentence, in a phrase, in something which somebody gets instantly. And getting that powerful, clear language is crucial. Humanity, we already talked a little bit about, um, but humanity gives your brand that emotional appeal, which people will connect with, and creativity demands a response. So clarity lets you be direct. Humanity lets you be emotional and creativity gets you that response. So you take a concept like direct response and you turn it into direct emotional response marketing and and adding just that lens, is it, is it, we're adding that feature in, uh, can help bolster, uh, your activities there. I love that. I, I'll tell you, I, I had a new, a potential new client phone call earlier this week. And I got off the phone after a half hour and I still had no idea what this person was creating. Like they need to, they need to, they need to follow these steps and get, and, you know, starting with number one with clarity, I'm like, give me the one sentence on what you're building. 
Yes. Yeah. I read in a book on, on storytelling and branding that it's an evolution from the elevator pitch uh, to the treadmill pitch, where imagine you're pitching it to pitching your idea to somebody running on a treadmill and they're going full speed and they're exhausted. And <laughs> like, they have to be able to like, grunt out in basic words what what you're trying to tell them. So it really forces you to distill it down to the most essential. I love that. I hadn't heard that before. That's a great phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. your three guiding principles, you said clarity, humanity, and remind and me creativity. of creativity, creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, I, I, I know you guys do a lot at Moxie Sozo, but I imagine yeah. the creativity is, is comes with the help of someone else, an external force most often when you're building your brand. So we do everything in-house um, yeah. here. Uh, so we have incredible designers. Um, and that's actually what we're known for is incredible creativity through yeah. packaging, design, and websites, and advertising. It's it's getting to that core creative. So creative disruption is mm -hmm. really, if you were to maybe distill everything down here about us, that would be it. Um, and yeah, it's it's so so crucial. That that definitely is at the heart heart yeah. of things here. Yeah, and what I love about you guys too is you've got a a really broad range of styles as well. So I I often see, you know, I love smaller I love small agencies and I love you know solo designers. That, you know, I've got a lot of people in my network like that. But I love that you pull in a lot of different talent and and can really run in many different directions. Totally. The range, and I'm not a designer. I can, I can draw a stick figure poorly, uh, <laughs> but they, the, it's incredible to see the range at which our designers work. And there's a lot of, 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 you know, there's a lot that we can develop on the kind of on trend and the, 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 you know, the clean, but to be able to do all of that and then push it into other worlds where it's this detailed and, you know, super compelling, whether it's photographic or illustration, just telling stories through design. Again, memory structures, what's going to be the verbal and what's going to be the visual memory structure that you reinforce and reinforce to become iconic. I love that. Yeah. I love the idea of memory structures. I think about that a lot with, with food and beverage. Um, you know, the red of Coca-Cola or that mermaid lady of Starbucks and, you know, thinking about what are those so what are those images that we keep in our mind about brands? The target yes. of, of Target. Um, so iconic. Okay. So Absolutely. Yep. This, this is great information. I love, I love your perspective. I could, you know, you know that I could talk about branding all day long. Um, and I know that you want to share an exercise for our listeners to do. So let's take a quick break here and we will come back and talk about building a brand platform in just a minute. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. All right. Food Biz Wiz is supported by Canva, my favorite tool for designing on-brand graphics for my business. I love it for my web graphics, my podcast graphics, and for my social media posts. And my clients love it for their sell sheets, trade show materials, shelf talkers, and promo kits. You are going to be blown away by how easy it is to use Canva, and I can't wait to see what you design. Try it out today by visiting the Canva link in my show notes and get to designing beautiful graphics within minutes. Okay, we are back. Evan, talk us through the first step that 
that we're going to do to put this brand strategy into action? What exercise are going are we going to work through here on the podcast? All right. So there are many different um, exercises we could do. Uh, and again, different brands require different ones. What might work for one brand, it wouldn't for the other. So we're going to throw one out there. And if it resonates, fantastic. And so this is a traditional one uh, that's building a brand platform building a br- or building a brand wheel. And okay. what it allows you to do is, you know, we talked a little bit about clarity, humanity, creativity. It helps you put this all on one page so that just staring at this page, you get the functional and emotional aspects of your brand. It sort of helps you, you know, get a better feel for it. So that's the point of a brand wheel or a brand platform. And we'll, we'll go through the different components of it. Um, there are different templates online, you'll see of different takes on brand wheels. So if you wanted to print out a a chart, you could, or you could just, you know, do an outline. Yeah. And I'll I'll bullet point this in our show notes. So if listeners are, you know, in the middle of a production shift, or maybe they're driving between sales calls right now, um, we got you covered, you guys, I'll put this, I'll bullet point this out in our, in our show notes today. So talk me through this, Evan, what am I going to do? All right. So start with writing down the distinguishing features of your product, uh, the things which do inherently set you apart, your right to win, the thing that if you compete on over and over and over again, it will stand out for you uh, and, and you'll come out on top. It's not about listing everything, list the, you know, the few impactful things. Less is more because okay the more focused your message is, the more powerful it's going to become. You can try and own three different aspects of a category, but you might lose out to a brand that takes one of those and just hits it. Like this is our thing. And so by writing down your distinguishing features, you can think, okay, where's my right to win? And is that differentiated in the category or how can I tell a story in a way to make it so? So that's one of the reasons why you're, you're writing those down first. And as a, as a quick like bonus, uh, you know, uh, Marty Neumeier has uh, an exercise called the onlyness statement, which is a fantastic exercise where you pretty much write down, I am the only blank, you write your, yep. your category name yep. that offers blank and you write what sets you apart and it forces you into that. So I love that. Okay. That's the first piece. So for me, I would be like, I am the only grocery buyer turned consultant. Yes. So, uh, I am, I am the only grocery buyer turned consultant. So I, I'm the only grocery buyer turned consultant that can offer startup brands, unique perspectives from both sides of the aisle to help them grow. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's going to go um, on my website now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's the idea. <laughs> All right. So I've got my distinguishing features. And then what do I move into? Functional benefits. So a lot of people, and this is this is big in the tech space too, but it's also big in food and beverage for sure, where it's like, we've got, we're gluten-free, we're, you know, we list all the attributes and we think that that's enough to drive it home. Um, but we have to write 
we have to push that one step further. We have to show people how this thing is going to benefit them in a tangible, real way, mm-hmm. not in any kind of feelings. We'll get right. to that in a minute. But this is the product utility. Is this going to make me a better swimmer? Is this mm-hmm. going to help relieve pain so I can do what I love longer? I mean, those are sort of low-hanging uh, you know, examples. Um, uh, but they're, they're ideas of it's not just like, this special ingredient in this topical is going to, you know, um, you know, relieve your pain. But because of that, you're able to extend and do what you do longer. I mean, that's one one example. This conditioner will give me shiny hair. So I have the confidence to go out and find a business partner. Yeah, I think there's 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 that there's that little bit of both, right? You're gonna have you're gonna have the conditioner is gonna go on. It's gonna make your hair like you're you're gonna look just the way you want to look. Yes, like radiant. It's gonna be perfect every time. Then when you talk about confidence, now you're getting into the emotional reward, All and right. that's the next thing to write down. So awesome. you've got the hair; it looks just how you want it to look, and now I I feel confident. Mm-hmm. So the that's how. So you'd write your functional benefits, then your emotional rewards that and an emotional reward is, is you can look at it in two ways one is how do we want people to feel whenever they interact with our brand or two what do we want people to say about themselves or feel about themselves because they've interacted with our brand so with the conditioner uh, example we want people to feel confident um, and we want we want confidence to be infused in our brand so that people feel confident whenever yeah. they interact with us. Yeah. So that's the next next piece. I love that. And I love tying the functionality to the emotion. That makes yes. that it feels like a really strong one two punch. Totally. Totally. Okay. Totally. Okay. So then we get to step number four, target step number audience. Number four. Yes. So identifying a, a target audience can help differentiate you. So really getting granular around uh, who you're going after, uh, you know, not, not just millennials, uh, but getting into the attitudes, motivators, beliefs, um, some of those psychographic qualities, um, some of the some of the shared some of the values you're going to create you're going to create connections around shared values. So what do they value? But getting into your audience and and you know adding texture to who they are, so you yes. you have a firm understanding of that. Um, and really, it's not about going after a lifestyle or this one person, but think of it more as you're extracting these values to create a culture. And the way that we look at culture is um, it's a culture is, is a shared set of values which unites many different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what you're, you're doing is you're fleshing out the personalities. You're, you're kind of creating that, that core cultural uh, center of the brand as well. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love this shift in target audience that is shifting away from purely demographic uh, data to the psychographics like you talk about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit, if you don't have data and you don't have past sales, you know, you're looking at kind of tea leaves, yes. demographics and psycho, they're kind of tea leaves. What are you going to read? How are you going to interpret it? You know, they, they, you know, what does it mean if they, they skew a little bit older in the particular category that we're working in and how might that change what we do, et cetera, et cetera. So it's putting it all together. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do a lot of this in, in, uh, retail ready. It's so Mm. important as we're, we're building brands instead of product lines. Yeah. Okay. So we've got our, we've got our target audience down. What comes next? 
Okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but getting into the personality, getting into the personality of your brand, it's usually extreme virtuous, extreme virtuous qualities or extreme, <laughs> um, maybe questionable qualities, okay. uh, which people remember. Yeah. You know, we re- we tend to remember the extremes of people, and so you know, building that into your brand, finding not just these like. I want to be trusted. I want to be reliable. I want to be like, okay, those things are earned. They're earned by being human. So, you know, are you going to be, maybe you're a little bit blunt, you know, maybe like write down, sure, write down a couple virtues like that you want your brand to have, but write down your personality faults, maybe, Mm. you know, not, you know, and like where, where is that edge? Because that's where things get interesting. Like, yeah, I'm, completely positive, but I'm a little mischievous sometimes. So, you know, that, that duality makes that brand a lot more interesting rather than just, you know, just one note, uh, personality. Right. And that, you know, the one note personality is the one that's forgettable, right? That's what I keep. That's what I scroll past, frankly. Um, okay. Yes. Yes. And then give me the last, the last step in building this brand platform. Sure. And that's the essence. That's you take all of these qualities and you put it into a word, a couple words, a phrase that sums up the core of what your brand and what your company will be, is today and will be. So it's it's a filter you can use to make brand and business decisions. So a couple examples, uh, Volvo, safety, that's what their essence is. So all of their brand and business decisions uh, have, have, you know, built to that, um, you know, Disney magic, mm. um, you know, are, those are a couple examples. So it can be one word and it doesn't have to be inherently, um, you know, inherently like this incredible thing, like safety is kind of a, a really functional word, but imagine the stories you can tell and imagine like how you can build into it. So you're really looking for something clear and impactful here at the essence. Um, it can be a longer phrase, um, but as long as it's it's the thing which you can use to make the future decisions to know if something's on brand or off brand or whether it's an opportunity you should go after as a business or not. Yeah, back I, to the essence. I love this. And I, I, I love that you use the example of Volvo because I have had multiple podcast guests who use Volvo and safety as an example. It is yeah. so, so strong. I think that's such a... I, I love that it comes up over and over again. It's just a testament to how how strong that brand essence is for them. Totally. And we all call each other beforehand and just say, hey, did you, <laughs> hey you're, uh, bring are Volvo? you going to use the we're, Volvo example? We're going to use the <laughs> Volvo example. It's actually like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that example. Okay. All right. So you have talked me through this exercise. I, I love this because when you talk about it, it, it seems relatively doable. I feel like I can sit down and take these six steps in less than an hour and then, you know, circle back to it and fine tune and fine tune. But the, that exercise of sitting down and doing it doesn't feel so daunting. Yeah. And I think the biggest, the overall gut check, you know, be in a space where you are feeling, uh, you know, good, loose. I think Mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino, I heard 
don't know if it's 100% true, but I heard Quentin Tarantino picks out a song first and then writes the scene to it. Like that's how he gets into his space. So get into that space of your brand however you need to, and then run the emotion test. Yeah. You know, share it with other people. Does it cause goosebumps or discomfort? Did somebody just have an outburst and leave the room? Or did it cause euphoria? Or did anyone really actually want to share what was created? Uh, those things are, are very, very important. Uh, hopefully not too many people leave the room. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's so important for us to take action in our business and, and, and do things just like this, where we're sitting down, we're getting in the right headspace and we are, we're working on our business rather than just in it in the day to day. This is very totally. Helpful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like just a, one more example. When we're doing pitching for food and we're going after taste appeal, it has to make us hungry as we're designing it <laughs> or else it's not effective. I mean, oh, literally you can have yes. an emotional response to it. I love that. I imagine, I imagine your team around a table just getting hungrier and hungrier <laughs> as they're doing the, the strategy work. I love that. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Evan. Where can people find you if they want to stay in touch? Yeah, moxiesozo.com, M-O-X-I-E-S-O-Z-O.com, at moxiesozo on Instagram. you know, that's, those are probably, probably good ways, good ways to hit us up. Awesome. And I'll, again, I'll link those in the show notes too. uh, So people can click directly through and see what you guys are all about. So thank you. Thank you, Evan. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. I love, I love all the knowledge that you shared. And I love that, that practical exercise of building a brand platform. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ali. That's today. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right, my whizzes, thank you for joining me today on this episode on brand strategy with Evan. He just dropped a whole bunch of knowledge and practical advice on how you can shape your own brand platform and why it's important to do so. I mean, you heard me. I am so inspired to go back and rework through this for my own business as well. And I know that you guys are probably feeling the same way. So once you have worked through this exercise, I want to know how it helps your business. So come join in on the conversation in our Facebook group. I'll link it in today's show notes and tell us your big aha moment as you do this important work. I'm over there in the Facebook group ready to connect. So come on through. Again, thank you for listening today and a big thank you to Evan for joining us. And I look forward to connecting with you again next week right here on the podcast. Have a good one and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.